welcome back to the Damn Your Tall Podcast. I actually remember to hit the record button this time. I am one of your hosts, Felicia, aka VVJ up in this bit. Along with Graham, aka Serena, it is up. I'm finally reading Sirens of Titan, so I've got that going for me. I, I guess that's the thing. So, this week was way better. <laughs> it was not as depressing as last week, but everything basically just punched us repeatedly in the face. So, uh, I guess I'll start off with uh, the job search update. Uh, it's getting a little bit better. There's still, like, people are waiting to contact me. I'm waiting to go out for at least one trip, hopefully, to get in contact with me because they said I'm the top recruit for them. So, uh, yeah, that that was pretty exciting. I was like, oh, finally, after rejection of a place I didn't want to go to. One school I haven't heard back from, and I'm just, like, over it. I'm like, if y'all want to get in contact with me, y'all get in contact with me. It, it seemed very unprofessional, honestly. I'm wondering if it's the case of someone who's in the HR position being unable to do the frankly uncomfortable work of telling someone, sorry, we don't want you, which I mean is not, is in no way an excuse. I want to be very clear. That is in absolutely no way an excuse. That's literally their job. Yes, that is literally their job. Um, it's one of the negatives of being in HR. Sometimes you have to tell people bad stuff. That's my only ex- possible explanation. But yeah, I, I'm a big girl. I can handle it. It's just that. I thought they were supposed to tell me, first of all, they rescheduled, they end, had an interview, they rescheduled mine because they was like, oh, sorry, we interviewed, uh, had one person in that time slot, so we moved you, and they didn't tell me, it was in the email, I had to find out when I was looking at it, because I was sitting there for like 10 minutes, I was like, oh, so you know, they can be late, I can't be late, so I was like, that was a little weird, so they rescheduled me for Monday, and I didn't even get to talk to like anybody from the athletic department, it was the HR person. And she had to be, like, not, like, to be, like, ageist, I guess. She's, like, 25. Maybe. That's not being ageist. I'm, like, okay, I'm interviewing for a coaching position. Shouldn't I be at least talking to the coaches? I guess that was another step. And I'm, like, okay. That was a little weird. And I I, I think it went pretty well. I think I'm better on, like, Zoom slash Google Hangout meeting things than, like, talking on the phone. And I thought I was going to hear back because that interview was last Monday, that Friday, because Juneteenth was this past Monday. And well, two Mondays ago, I was, we're about to listen to this podcast or if you were listening to the podcast and I didn't hear anything. So I sent an email on like, I think Monday night and I was like, hey, I didn't hear anything from you. I just want to know either way so I can move on with my search. So I can cross y'all off the list if I'm not there. And then she's like, oh, I thought we said. Um, it would be next Thursday. I was like, or this, that Thursday. I was like, uh, okay. That's definitely not what she said. Cause I remember what she said. Cause I wrote it down and I was like, whatever. I was just like, okay. Didn't hear anything on Thursday. And I was like, okay, now it's Friday. Tried to call the number that she had on there. Didn't like nothing. It just kept ringing. So I'm like, what? This is very unprofessional. Sent her an email. Haven't gotten a response back. So I'm like, you know what? I did what I can do. This is very unprofessional. And (laughs) if you didn't just tell me like that makes it way worse when you're like ducking me or like ghosting me at this point. Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? We're all adults here. Like that just makes you look very, your institution, very unprofessional. And now I don't want to work there. Even if I'm like, oh yeah, sorry about that. This, this like, mm." first of all, rescheduling my interview without telling me like ahead of time, like at least 24 hours, unprofessional. So yeah, that was just lots of red flags there on their part. I was going to say before you said that it was a serious, it was a concerning symbol, <laughs> and would make me seriously doubt even if they did reach out to you whether or not you should be employed by them. Well, that and I didn't get to talk to anybody. I got another interview where I was on a call with four other people this past Thursday, but one of them was the head coach and people in the department that I would actually not maybe interacting with all the time but generally in the vicinity probably talking to them because they were on the call and they would want to you know hire me but the head coach was on the call and I was like okay this is way better way more professional and they told me in the next couple days I had the interview on Thursday so I'm assuming on Monday I'll hear something back either way hopefully it's good news because I kind of really want this one but yeah they seemed very professional they were on time (laughs) everybody was there there was no like, oh, sorry, we got to reschedule you. No, like 
way better than this one where I actually got to talk to the coach and ask her questions about like what my job would entail instead of this girl's like, um, I'll be your liaison intermediate between the coach. Like, I understand coaches are busy, especially if they're hiring people because they're getting probably tons of emails, people sending them stuff <clears throat> unsolicited. Like, I try not to do that. I do through the correct channels of going through the HR department and all that stuff. But this, I don't know. That one was just, it, ah, it was just so annoying. Cause I was like, I tried everything and I was going through the right channels. And then I just tried to call and then nothing. So I'm like, man, up. don't be some little bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have at least one. I'm trying to fly out there to go see. And another one I'm waiting on to see. Hopefully I make it to like that next negotiation type stage. I think I had a really good interview. I even dressed up. I had a nice little shirt on. I had a uh, freshly dry clean. Ooh. I know, right? I also started my other crappy job for the meantime, so we could have a little bit of influx of cash in case we have to move. So, <laughs> and I got to do that like, not right after this, but it's later on this evening. So fun time. So hopefully I don't have to be there for that long for that job. <laughs> The people are really nice there, but they're definitely like, yeah, how long are you going to be here? I think that's kind of trying to feed it out. I was like, I'm going to let you know what you want to hear. But once I'm done with this job, I'm out. I'm not staying here. It's part-time and I get no benefits. So Part-time, no benefits, bad hours. It's it's going to be a job with a lot of turnover and they know it. Yes. So I think they know that, but they're trying to be like, they all seem very nice, but I'm like, this is a part-time job with no benefits and it's like an evening job. So, yeah, you and I have a college degree. <laughs> you definitely know I ain't going to be there that long. They're like, please stay because we don't want to have our other people do this. Like, that's not my problem. Either make this job like a two-person job or pay more money for crappy hours. So, but yeah, um, like I said, a little bit better of a week this week. Uh, didn't really do too much. Just normal work week. We didn't get to play. <laughs> Avatar, unfortunately. I feel like I'll never play Avatar again or Shadowrun because something pops up. <laughs> but speaking of Avatar, Gen Con, as of today, it is Sunday as we are recording this podcast, June 25th, 2023. There are 39 more days left, so a little bit over a month. And then we'll finally be at Gen Con. Uh, I cannot wait for those four days of gaming. I am excited. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. We've got a lot of stuff to do. We're going to see a lot of cool stuff. Yes, no uh, escape rooms because they're stupid. <laughs> it was fun when I was going through it every single time. Like, hey, Felicia, look, there's an escape room. There's an escape room. I actually just stop. See- no, I'm not doing the escape room with like 20 other people, and like 10 of them were children. I was like, I'm over it. It was a waste of money. But I was being cognizant of it to make it at least a plausible question, excluding ones that kids involved, because it was the kids that really ruined it. It makes it sound like we're horrible people, but it was just a disaster, because like, there were generally people that were like, ooh, yeah, and then the guy running it did not seem, I, we talked about this before, but the guy running it did not seem interested at all. Oh, he did not. He did not care. And there was like, parents and their kids like one lady was just like oh good i get to relax for an hour and i was like okay let's see and there was like just kids just messing up stuff everywhere i'm like <sighs> and i just gave up i was like i'm over it i'm done i just sat down and i was like whatever I, no this is not fun because i i tried to get into it at first but then the like it just oh god terrible and then we didn't end up solving it either so and I was like, this was stupid. As soon as I walked out, I think as, as I was always like, this was dumb. I'm not doing that again. I'm, I'll go to the actual escape room with like some friends or something and not children or parents. <sighs> so, yes. Did you want to talk about your L5R, how you guys are doing in that? Yeah, um, it's been going pretty well. One of my players is still a little shaky on participating in it because it is a setting that has a lot of... Uh, character restrictions since the characters are all samurai so like for instance where they're at is in a fort where the le- there's something wrong with the leader the group doesn't know what it is i know what it is but they there's something wrong with the leader and there's something wrong with how the whole place is operating but they haven't figured it out yet and in normal D mode he just kind of wants to go murder the, the leader and take over and that will somehow solve the problems so it's like first of all it's not really an option 
for you guys, like socially. I mean, if you did that, you'd probably have to commit spooku at the very least. Um, additionally, it wouldn't even really be a possibility in a D and D campaign since it's filled with people who are at least as powerful as they are, which is again something you're not used to if you've played D and D, where even a level one character is expected to be more powerful than most opponents. But that's made it more interesting because now, like one of the things the groups have decided is they is they're operating under the rule that they need to protect the fort because that was the last order given to them. So they've got this big possibility. It's like how far beyond the clear meaning of protect the fort, as in kill bad guys, do you see, are you willing to go? I mean, are you willing to resettle a village under your own management? Because that would be protecting the fort because you provide the fort food and resources. But that's pretty clearly beyond the limited terms. So I think there's a lot more interesting possibilities there than you get in kind of your standard D&D campaign. Uh, and that and that comes, I think, in part from the restrictions imposed on you by the setting. I mean, stories are more interesting when there are restrictions than when just you can just do whatever you want. I know it's a, it's a change for him. He's not an experienced player particularly, and he's only ever really played D&D. Um, and the D&Ds played without me have been very combat-focused games where a lot of times, the from my understanding what he's been playing, is it's those games where the role-playing is largely there to set up the combat encounters rather than to be part of a consistent narrative. But they've been having fun. Um, I, they, they, they had a ghost, well, a spirit last time. I've got a, I've got a cool ghost story set up for them. That's going to be pretty fun. And I'm not going to go, ooh, ghost, ooh, ghost, the entire time, as much fun as that might be. I feel like I want to want to describe it more, but they, they're some of the listeners, so I, I don't want to describe it too much. This is a sort of a retake on the one I ran out in Hawaii, but I've, I haven't even looked at my old Hawaii notes, so I probably need to do, because I'm probably reproducing a lot of the work I did the first time around. But it's been, it's been fun, and um, I'm running it for as long as Felicia and I are here, obviously. So I don't know, fortunately, I don't know when it's going to end. But that's how it is. Okay, so. We went to my mom's house last week, and we had to water her plants. Oh, now Boeing's facing the wall. Oh, God. So we had to water her plants and stuff. So we're like, oh, let's just uh, spend the night here and we'll cook out and everything. So my mom's got like this cool cable now. So we can watch pretty much any movie we want. And I was like, oh, I want to watch this. Like, I guess it's a psychological horror thriller movie. And it's called Master. I'll let Graham explain all the little details before we get into the plot and talk about Because I think we have a lot to say about this one. Just a real quick one. The real quick thing through is Masters 2022. Director Mariama Diallo, writer Mariama Diallo, starring Regina Hall, Zoe Renee, and Julia Nightingale are the three listed stars. Um, Felicia had an interesting note about the uh, about the poster, which I think was pretty effective. And let's see, and it's an hour thirty eight minutes. But the poster of this movie, like. It makes it seem like she's a slave. At least to me, it makes... I guess maybe that's the look they're looking for. Because it's Regina Hall. Regina Hall's great. I love her as an actress. Great. Um, but it makes it look like she's... Uh, like, fearing for her life. Which is like a creepy movie. But it, at least that's to me. What do you think about the movie poster? Do you have it up there pulled up? Like, I'm just looking it out on the... Yeah, it does make her look very much kind of out of place, on edge. I think that is kind of the point there. But it's just weird how they have it. Yeah. And the and the big and the big shadow being both symbolic and important. Okay, so. Let's go ahead and get into the plot. And we'll go parabolic... Par- paragraph by paragraph because it's not super long but i'm pretty sure it's gonna leave out a lot of stuff and graham took a lot of notes down for this movie so let's just jump right into this shall we gail bishop becomes a newly appointed and first black master at ancaster an elite university in new england the students at the school believe uh, the students at the school believe it is cursed by a ghost margaret millet who was accused of witchcraft and hanged nearby. Jasmine Moore moves in as a freshman and is assigned to room 302, along with her white roommate, Amelia. The room once occupied by, occupied in 
1965 by Louisa Meeks and uh, Ann Caster's first black undergraduate who committed suicide by hanging uh, in her dorm. Oh, I guess I should say uh, content warning. There's like suicide warnings and stuff in this movie. So uh, just uh, if you don't like that stuff, just skip. I guess grandma will finish it up when we get to the end of like everything. So yeah, just a little content warning. So yes, this girl comes in or actually Gail Bishop. She is the headmaster and that's uh, Regina Hall's character. Yes, uh, that is her character. And she moves into this creepy house. And first, I'm just sitting here this whole movie. I'm like, nope, I wouldn't move in there. Like, this is kind of like a college is like a Yale. It's like they make fun of it in the middle or in the movie when she's like introducing herself with her little speech about like um, the school is basically almost as old as America. So it's like one of the older prominent schools, bougie. It's like one of those rich preppy schools. And there's a, I'm pretty sure they've had slaves there at one point. That's why this is a big deal that she's the first, um, black master, which I didn't even know what the hell a master was. Is this only for like rich types of schools? I'm a little confused myself, actually, what specifically the role would be, because it appears to be kind of like a dean, uh, a dean who has both academic and, uh, social responsibilities. Cause we see her talking with her students about both their grades and their um their social life i mean to be a little bit too blunt on it so i think that's um i think that's what they're going for yeah she's not like an ra because she has like a house on campus she's like a dorm advisor i don't know but she's a teacher it's weird i don't know i've never heard of this before but uh yeah and she's like going through her house and she sees like um, she goes upstairs, which are basically slave quarters in this house. And I'm surprised they didn't take all this stuff out. Like, I understand it's an old house and you know, they're like, Oh, but I'm like, get you ha- getting a black woman in this house, get all the slave shit out of there. <laughs> like there's one scene where it reminded me of the Karen movie where she just had blatant, like a racist soap dispenser that had the Confederate flag on it. There's like an Aunt Jemima tub, like, uh, like a mammy caricature of like a tub. And I'm like, why would y'all just turn this around, not take it out of the house, at least look less racist? And the people are very patronizing, I feel like, in this movie. They're very condescending and like, well, you know, you're a black. Like, kind of that wink, nudge, nudge. That's why we put you in here. (laughs) I think that was true to an extent. There was the one, I'm not sure what she is. She might be the head professor of the college that I thought that you really had a very negative feeling towards what I thought was more just being a straight up professor would probably be a little oblivious was being a, just a, like a pretty solid professor. Yeah, you would. She made some comments in that movie and I was just like, mm-hmm, okay, white lady, <laughs> basically in this movie. Cause I mean, this is directed by a black woman. So I, I could feel sometime type, type of way. Okay. The main character, um, what's her name? Jasmine. She comes in, she's from Washington. So she's like, across the like the state not like dc like from across the state and she walks in and she's like hey you know and it's weird like i I feel like they did this for like a choice for um like not to have a lot of characters in the movie but like her parents didn't drop her off like what (laughs) her parents never show up which is actually really really weird yeah like i don't know if there has like maybe when you get older and you're like you get a car and you bring all your stuff down yourself and maybe you just want to hang out with your friends but freshman year like i've seen everybody's parents there especially if your daughter is having the level of problems she is having it's like you don't in this movie yeah i mean you don't just it's it's not it wasn't believable to me I understand for the movie, they wanted to focus on the college, but not having mom or dad or both or second mom or whatever her family situation is not show up when she is going through this stuff that is making major news. Um, you know, she's having, they mention her, but she never like, not even a phone. Like they like your mom called. We never hear her voice. So it's just like, she's not in the picture. Yeah. Which almost is in some ways a different commentary on itself if you wanted to pursue that, but I won't. I don't think they were going for all that, but I think no, it was I just don't... a styling choice. But I'm like, what parents? Like, 
I know a lot of in TV shows, they're like, parents never show up. I was like, okay. Even if your parents hate you, they're going to drop you off at school because they're going to be like, bye, bitch. Kick you out of the car. Uh, no, anyway. I, I think it was 100% a style decision that unfortunately creates some narrative problems. Yeah, but they're uh, like, oh, uh, what room are you or where are you at? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm new. And she's like, ah, I here's and she gives them the like the people because there's like people out in the front, of course, like, oh, well, also. I remember uh, when I was reading about this movie, side note, that this was happened during uh, the Panini. So that could be why they couldn't have a lot of people on set. They didn't see that could have happened as well. Because you notice there wasn't a whole bunch of people out on the quad. They were all spaced out and made it look like, you know, movie magic. But this happened when like because I think this was one that got shut down because they were filming it during uh, when the first like when everything like got shut down. So I think that kind of sedated it a little bit they had to it they said it was affected by the pandemic i I guess it could have but there are some scenes they have a fairly there's no like mass crowd scenes they have some scenes there's a fairly significant number of people present yeah so um and she is like oh what's your name and she goes oh amelia they go guys she got the room and they just walk away i'm like hold up now where where the hell's my room? Somebody tell me help i don't know come back (laughs) that was my reasoning i was like well they're like, oh, she has a room. And they just, like, walk away. I'm like, wait a minute. Where is the room? Like, what is this? And I can relate to this because I've told this story before. I lived on the 12th floor, which is the very top. Uh, and I went to Indiana State, and I was, like, in the haunted floor. Like, next to, I was, like, right across from, like, the haunted room. Um, because uh, I guess somebody jumped out the window, committed uh, unalive themselves, and... There's like a little cross, you can see it, and they are like, it never comes off. And that's like one of the ghost stories they tell. And there's like a whole bunch of other stuff they tell. But like, if you look at the door, like the wood grain, it makes it look like there's like ghost or like a, like a ghoulish face. And I mean, yeah, it does. If you look at it, cause your face, like your brain makes up faces out of things like stuff like that. And I would have people come and knock on my door and be like, is this the hunter? I was like, no, it's across the hall. <laughs> And I'm like, no, you don't know the room number. Don't come to my floor. Nothing creepy ever happened. And I lived like, there was like one side and another side. You could walk like a little loop. So I couldn't directly see the room, but it was like a cross. And it was like the, uh, like the handicapped room, I guess, or something like that. Because it was bigger. So I didn't like, I had to walk across and like go back. That's how it was set up. So I didn't directly see it, but nothing creepy or ever happened. Cause I had some people like, has anything creepy or happened? I was like, no, nothing. And I had that room basically to myself after like the first two months of school. Cause everybody left and nothing creepy ever happened to me. So yeah, but so I was very upset that they didn't help her to her room. <laughs> Graham's like, oh yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Oh yeah, it was very upsetting. It was very rude. <laughs> I was like, dang, come on, help us go to our room. Where is it? This is a big ass camp. Yeah. Okay, so um, Jasmine initially makes friends with Amelia's rich white friends, although they ask her to clean up, spill drinks, and don't pay her back for pizza. She orders at a party. Amelia's crush kisses Jasmine. Amelia sees them. Amelia whispers to Jasmine that she hates her. Despite the roommates telling Gail everything is fine between them, Gail's new residence uh, develops a maggot infection. So, infestation, sorry, not infection. Okay, so there was a lot that they kind of skipped out here. So, this one scene, I was so mad. Because she's like one of like a handful. I think there's a comment later in there in the movie that there's like how many black or non-white students there are because they're trying to start a black student union. It's not that they start one. It's there is one. I don't remember. It's I think it's like or, under like 10. It's a dozen or less. Yeah, yeah it's something like that. Like there's a, a handful of them. And so like there's not a lot she could talk to. There's only like two, I think, black professors, the master, and there's another, well, black. I'll use, We'll get to that later. That was a whole thing. Um, And, oh, this is a Gatorade story. Okay, I'll finish this part and then I'll tell you my Gatorade. I remembered it now. So there, but she comes into her room and at, like she's like her first weekend of school and she comes in and there's like a whole bunch of people in there and there's people on her bed 
with their shoes on and their outside clothes. I'm like, no, she is so nice because, okay, here's a Gatorade story that I remember. When I was a freshman in college, I brought, like, my parents got me, like, Gatorade because I was drinking that up because I was an athlete. And I was like, yeah, this will be, like, my juice and my drink and I'll be all cool. And it was a multi-pack. <laughs> and we got it from, like, Sam's Club because that was down there. Or Costco, Costco. Not, uh, we brought it from home. But my roommate, she didn't last too long. I think I really scared her. She just left school. <laughs> um, She's fine now. She We're friends on Facebook. She has, like, two kids now. She's married. She's fine. But, like, I would go in there and she'd have, like, some people she met and that was fine. I don't care. They didn't sit on my bed or anything. They would sit in my chair and I would talk to them. But I saw one dude drinking my Gatorade and I was like, huh. I didn't say anything at the time, but I knew that was mine. Like, we had to share a fridge. I brought the fridge and we shared that stuff. But I was like, I'm not sharing my drink. I was like yeah, could you not let your friends drink my drinks? You know, these are, these are kind of mine, or at least ask me. She's like, oh yeah. And I can't remember if he did it again, but i never saw those people after that. <laughs> like they just stopped hanging out in the room. I didn't say anything mean, nothing. I was just like, I'm a poor college student now. <laughs> I can't just make my mom go take me to get things. I don't have a car. So I'm like, yeah, just, you know, just ask me and that'd be fine. She's like, oh yeah. I never saw those people ever again. They never came back into the room. I, I didn't, I wasn't like mean or anything. So that's the Gatorade story. It's just like, I just remember how like people can be rude and think that they own your things. But well, I think once they saw me and she probably told them that and they were just intimidated and I was like, well, I guess it worked to my benefit. They ain't going to be in my room all the damn time. So yeah, that's a reasonable question too. Don't take my stuff. Yeah, it's super simple because I had uh, bottled water and uh, Gatorade. And I think a guy took one of the Gatorades out there. And I saw that. I was like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but I told her because, you know, I'm trying to be nice and friendly. But this just reminded me of that. How then they were making like some slick shit, like comments about like Beyonce, like every black woman. And I was like, OK, yeah, they were trying. To I was so bad. <laughs> they were trying to remember they're, they're Everyone was trying to figure out what. Um, not not Zoe Renee, that's the actress. What Jasmine looked like, and yeah, they just went through a list of every single black person. But well, at least it was only black women. I guess, but I was just like, and she was like, okay, you know, they're they're my friends and this stuff, and I was like, mm, these are not your friends. These are like just spoiled rich kids, and they were telling her, I guess, about the the room and all that stuff, how it's haunted and all that stuff. So. That's where the Gatorade story came in. Hey, I was like, oh, God. And also, I was like, oh, hold up. They were super mean and didn't pay her back for the pizza. Like, they were taking advantage of her, like, out of her niceness. They were claiming that the wine they provided somehow negated the cost of the pizza. And I'm like, no, I bought this. And they took, like, there was, like, three or four of them. They took about half of the pizza. I'm like, y'all need to at least get two because... One pizza is not going to fill up like four college kids, four to five college kids. But I was like, no, nah, you got to pay. I'll be like, okay, then I'll just take that and you can have your wine back. I got water. I got mine. Mm -hmm. Give me my money. But Yeah, but you're also looking at it from the perspective of an adult rather than an uncomfortable college student trying to get settled in with a new community. Okay, even when I was a college student, we'd all settle in. Or we go half on a pizza because they were like seven dollars they had like some large one topping pizza we display hey guys you want to order pizzas we all chip it and then we just buy it because it was online so we just pay the person but anyway so we kind of fast forward a little bit and that's where um i didn't mention it earlier but there's like i, I did mention she has slave quarters uh the master what's her uh regina hall's character's name in this gail bishop Okay, Gail finds like these bells that they ring. And I was like, those are definitely going to come back later. And they're starting to ring. And she, and throughout this movie, she goes up to this room and I'm like, she sees a lot of like slave shit. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that tracks. Because this room, they just threw a whole bunch of stuff up there. And there was like markings of like black people and apes, like that whole thing of like studying black people. And I was like, oh God, how could you work here? <laughs> Like, oh, this house just seems cursed. And there's like maggots 
infesting her house. Yeah, there's a scene. She they do a rather nice. They, they do a painting of her because she's you know a master. So now she, they're gonna have a painting of her, and she picks apart the eye, and maggots start pulling out, pouring out of it. And then there's another scene where she opens a drawer, and maggots are pouring out of it. Yeah. So, skipping ahead, we at this party. Um, she goes, and I was like, mm, I know they're gonna say the N word because they're playing like rap music. Jasmine comes in and she's like dancing all cool. And there's the guy that um, her roommate likes is like checking her out because she's like on rhythm. Like, like everybody else in the, in the, and mind you, she is like the only black person that we see ever in a scene together. I think there's maybe like two scenes. There's like maybe another black student with her. So, like I said, there's a handful. And um, she's basically makes out with, her roommate's crush and she's like i hate you because he's like feeling her i guess and i'm like well maybe it's because she's on beat and then she goes back <laughs> out <laughs> and she goes back out and there's like i forgot what song was playing but they these white dudes say in the n-word and she's like whoa like she's still kind of dancing but it's like what because they felt too comfortable i was like see this is why you don't get too comfortable <laughs> Because they'll be saying anything. They'll be like, well, it's just in the song. I was like, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. No, no, no. I was like, we don't do that here. But, you know, rich people go rich people. So. And they just. Uh, these people just seem like the worst, too. Oh, God. Because there's people out here like this in college. Because, ugh, it's annoying. Graham never went to party, so I don't know if he knows. Yeah, I never really did, so. No, you went to one. Yeah, it was terrible. So skipping ahead a little bit more, um, there is a scene where um, one of her professors, she's trying to get tenure and Graham's like, this is very pretentious that she had to come up with like some sort of race thing in the Scarlet Letter. What it is, is her professor, uh, this is Liv, I don't remember the character's last name, but it's Liv something, Liv Beckman, played by Amber Gray. Uh, it's doing, I presume it's an early American English class because they do the start letter, which I have said bad things about for, and I'll say bad things about it again. But one of the required questions is race in the Scarlet Letter. And I was like, what are you talking about? Admittedly, it's been a while since I read the Scarlet Letter, so I'm, you know, if you subtext. And Jasmine turns in a, an essay. You can see it's a full essay, but it doesn't talk about race in the Scarlet Letter at all. And she gets an F on it, and she's and Jazz is like, this is, doesn't say it, but like, this is bullshit. There's no real racial undertones to the Scarlet Letter. It is a book that is bleached white. And then her, uh, her, her friend, I don't think it was Amelia, but another student in the class gives one was like, well, it's red because it's Scarlet Letter, and then there's the natives, and they're red, so yeah. And Jazz is like, what are you talking about? And the other student's basically like, it's, it was bullshit. It was, there wasn't anything to it, but I got an A on it, so that was fine. And Jasmine's dealing with like, this is it. And this becomes a, a major problem because then Jasmine disputes the grade, and you're like... Like, before that... She goes into her office because she writes up because she's like, I'm going to dispute the grade. And she goes into her office. She goes, well, you know, sometimes people where you're from, she goes, where I'm from. She's like, I was top of my class. I'm valedictorian. I'm middle class. What are you thinking about? Because I guess she thought she was from like the hood or the street. She goes, no, I'm middle class. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) I thought that was funny. It also shows, particularly for a school of this size, and Felicia and I don't really have this because both of us went to state schools. Um, although I did go to a private school, uh, smaller bars for a little bit. Anyways, you see the class sizes are like 11 people. This is a top flight school. You have some of the most educated people in the country teaching you on a very close one-to-one basis. Liv should know. And that's part of the story. Liv should know about her students. She should know that uh, that Jasmine comes from a very prestigious school, or at least has a very prestigious background. She should be able to tell it by speaking to her because someone who's been a valedictorian in what, according to the movie, is a very highly prestigious or at least very advanced school 
is going to speak, is going to communicate, is going to think differently than someone who's come up in a different situation. It's just, it's an, it's a very early tell that I think Felicia may have missed because of our different life experiences that Liv actually doesn't know shit. And that will come back. <laughs> I'm, I'm just reading through a little bit. It's getting there. So, okay. Jasmine start. Oh. I mean, this is one of the reasons you spend a gajillion dollars to go to one of these top flight schools. This was filmed at Vassar, which is one of the seven sisters, which is very early for a long time. Women only, only schools. This is why you play, pay a ton of money. So that your professors pay attention to your students because your professors have the time and the capacity to do so because you're not sticking a professor in multiple classes of a hundred students. Like she, like Beckman, I don't know, maybe has 60 students a semester. You know, you know your students. Anyways. Okay, so Jasmine starts having nightmares and begins to believe her English teacher, Professor Liv Beckman, is purposely giving her bad grades. She files a dispute, which implicates Liv's application for tenure. Jasmine is attacked by a presence in a black cloak um, that plants a noose on her door, burns a cross, and, and causes her to fall out the window. Amelia eventually drops out. Jasmine tells Gail about the presence, which Gail believes is racist student. Jasmine is found a few days later dead in her room, hanged. This is why I think this is a psychological horror, is it's very intentionally unclear how much of what happens to Jasmine is real. Like, there's a scene that seems to be a student tour that's actually a dream. And, like, she's panicking and she's screaming when she's in her room and then she climbs out the window because it's the only escape onto a slick roof and falls off. So it's unclear. Like, no one pushed her. So it's intentionally unclear. Is there actually a ghost? Or is this climate of racist abuse got her so worked up she thinks there's a ghost? Like, I'm, I mean, the uh, the cross burning absolutely happens. The, things, the thing being carved at her door, that absolutely happens. So there's real events occurring, but it's like... You know, there's there's no instance where a spooky, scary ghost comes out and pushes her off. It's it's left as like she very much could have just slipped and fell off, and then I think it's a racist ghost and a racist dude. <laughs> it's all the above everything because like when we're watching it, you see like there's a scene where she's like walking and the, like the shadow is like a little Amish woman like behind her, like so it changes and like there's another scene where. She's in the library, which, okay, side note, with all these movies, can they not afford, if this is expensive-ass school, lights? Like, they're so dark in this library. Oh, and <laughs> there's this little study hall. And thing. the and the um, dorms are all on red emergency lights all of the time. I'm like, okay, no, these are students. They gonna keep a light on or two, okay? Like, there's never not a light on. Like, there are, there's always lights off in this, like, scene. But anyway, yeah, I... Because they make, it's a psychological, definitely horror. So, like, she's being tormented, like, passive-aggressively by students. And there's probably another one that's being racist towards her. So they have a black student union. And one of the students comes in and is like, hey, you know, we're here for you. And then I guess her, I'm using this term loosely, friends come in when the uh, black student she's talking to is like, hey, we're here for you. She goes, well, what was that all about? And I'm like, did y'all not see the cross burnings and the nooses? Like, what? Oh, yeah, that was, and that I think was actually another doubled situation because she makes a reference to some other social thing. Now, this is a white student, but the, it was, I, it may have been Armenian club, but there, there was another club, another ethnic club on campus was, I think, what they were getting we're getting at and so this white student's like oh why do i need to be in this club because we're homogenized successfully in this country and the, whereas the black students are like we're not we're in a different situation than you are so, yeah. oh also oh felicia got excited me well i'm excited because i saw this note that i wrote down during the makeout scene felicia says don't kiss that white man they're the worst I stand by that. <laughs> I do not appreciate <laughs> this implication. 
Oh, his breath probably stank. They were at a party, so he probably didn't brush his teeth. Oh, he probably brushed his teeth. I don't know. Are you trying to imply that I don't brush my teeth? No. I'm talking about the movie guy. Anyway, okay. So this is where it's like a whole nother movie. <laughs> and lo and behold, I didn't know I was getting Rachel Dolezal in this, but I got Rachel Dolezal in this. Esther Birkin. Okay. So throughout this whole movie, there is a, I guess, it shows it a couple times. There's a Amish woman. There's like Amish people in the backgrounds and stuff like that. There, It's Amish Mennonite Shakers. It's intentionally unclear, but some sort of more traditional community. Um, being where it's set, it would make more sense for Shakers. But anyways. Yeah. So, oh, um, and also like the girl, Amelia, her roommate drops out. It's says that she basically got sexually assaulted because there was like dudes out there and she got left in the snow and they're like she doesn't want to talk about it so she just kind of basically just packs up and leaves so that's kind of why she leaves it's not jasmine or anything it's just they left that kind of ambiguous too so at least to me it was kind of but she does tell um her before she leaves that she hates her so yeah and i'm like well damn but yeah so throughout this movie there is like um a woman calling is like, do you know where Liv is? She goes, I, I think you need, uh, uh, Gail's like, I think you need like, you know, registration. And she just hangs up. So this is where we meet Esther Burkett, Liv's mother, an Amish woman informs Gail that Liv is actually born white and named Elizabeth. But after leaving the community, Liv changed her name and began to present herself as black. Uh, Esther implies that she must have been possessed by the devil to make her do this when confronted at the faculty party, Liv denies these claims and tells Gail that she was uh, actually the daughter of a black man living, leaving it to the audience's side. Uh, what is the truth? Liv actually leaves putting the black cloak to resembles the figure terrorizing Jasmine earlier in the film. I didn't catch that. I catch that it was the cloak, but I didn't know it was like that. I'll go ahead and finish off here. Gail criticized the all white faculty staff after realizing that she is not truly the school's master, but rather the maid who was meant to clean up the school's diversity program. Gail notices that the history has repeated itself and no change in ancestors and cast diversity. And she resigns from the position. And that's basically how it ends. She like in the movie, she's uh, there's a cop that comes up to her and is like, uh, do you have ID? She goes, I don't work here. And she just walks off and the titles roll. So, I guess it's up to us to decide whether this woman is born white or born to a black, um, born from a black man. It's, and this is, it's intentional. It's like the, the death thing earlier. The, the woman produces a photo of her when she was a kid where she's extremely white and, and says nothing but positive things about the father. So I think, I don't, I don't think it's, odd to see that she is um this woman is a filthy liar because she lied her way into tenure at a prestigious college why wouldn't she lie in the face of someone accusing her of lying yeah basically she comes to the party and is like you're a liar because she was like hey let's get turned and all this stuff and it's like the all white people and they're at her house and they're like what does that mean? Like, cause they're all crotchety old people and they're like playing, I think like WAP or something like that. And she, she comes in and is like, what are you doing? Are you white? <laughs> Basically. And she just says, fuck all y'all. I can't stand this. And she just goes off and they're like, and um, I guess they go and they talk. She goes, that woman, my dad was actually black and this and all that. I'm like, Oh God, are we getting Rachel Dole's all line in here now? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Then she puts on the little cloak and she just, that's it for the film for her. And then we get the scene of where they're all like, it's been a stressful, you know, um, because she blames herself for Jasmine's death, which I guess is kind of on her. Cause she was the master for that house. I've looked it up. Apparently master is actually kind of a, a vague term. And really anyways, the Wikipedia claims it's equivalent to head of college. But Ann Caster, I don't know how many internal colleges it has. Um, those for most Americans, since we don't normally use this, a university is a school with multiple sub-schools underneath it. Like, I went to a journalism, I would have been a journalism college under this format, where there's a whole subset of 
professors and everything else that operate under the overarching leadership of the university, Eastern University. So she, so she's, ser- yeah, she's it's a serious position. I was right there. Okay, so yeah, basically, it's I guess left up to us to decide the truth, and I don't know. She was kind of a dick to her and then she was like oh i can use my blackness because she didn't put in as much work as gail did she had so many books published to get her tenure and then that but they're like friends you could see them like walking and stuff like that throughout the movie and talking to each other and she is a liar also she is a liar like live is live is a liar because she is like oh i wish i would have had a sister and then like in another couple scenes down the road she's like she mentions like, oh yeah, me and my brother. She goes, I thought you said you were an only child. She goes, yeah, I tell that one sometimes too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so what is it? So it can be seemed like, yeah, she's basically a white woman, I guess. Because she is a liar. Like they had that. Right. And she's a, a white woman who is successfully coasting on blackness. That's what you were, you were kind of. I should know because them braids look kind of rough. But that's what you were kind of getting at. It's like during the tenure hearings and everything else, it was like there's there they intentionally put in, and it was well acted of like a of the subtext of do we just make her a professor because she's black, and the kind of like the one person they had to push back on it was Gail Bishop as like kind of like because they're all kind of looking at her basically being like is like is does she have enough? You could tell Gail doesn't think she does. Yeah, but she doesn't want to tell her. But then, uh, I guess she goes into this speech of, like, um, basically, she got tenure because um, old girl unalived herself. And they were, like, felt bad, I guess. And she was, they had, like, a little candlelight visual for her. And I feel like the only person that was truly sad was, like, the black student you and the girl that helped her because she came up there, um, Gail. And Liv just kind of was playing a part because she's like, thank you for getting me tenure basically and just kind of like yeah this is she would have held up her fist and goes black lives matter like at that point like that and i'm like oh god i just didn't like her character either which good job to her to the actress that played her because she when you do a good job when people cannot stand you and i could not stand this woman in this movie because she was just ugh, the worst yeah that was amber gray good job amber gray you did a very good job of being very unlikable because <laughs> your character was ugh annoying and just that one bit i knew she was like because there are some um basically and like some black people want to keep other black people down especially like uh women want to keep other women down I was like well there could only be one at the top of the position and she was like trying to keep her down below her even though she was like super smart where she was like well you know sometimes coming away from she goes where I'm from, I'm from the suburbs. I was top of my class. Like, that little thing, I was like, oh, God. And also is anti-ethical to being a professor. As a professor, you should not be concerned about your students outshining you, particularly in what appears to be some sort of liberal arts college. Like, you know, this isn't a case of, like, where your kids, your your students are going to be competing with you for grant money at a at a research institution. So, yeah, that was basically the movie. I There's a lot of stuff. I would definitely, I probably would rewatch this again and try to pick out like stuff that was going on. Cause there's probably a lot more stuff going on in the background, but I enjoyed the movie. It was a lot different. I thought it was going to be straight up like horror movie with like, I thought it was gonna be like the blackening white people trying to kill these, this black girl, but it was like a, a psychological thing. Um, I really enjoyed it. I know that I probably had a lot more problems with, it, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, there is one quote that I think was probably a little bit too close to the truth, which is from Gail Bishop. It's not ghosts, it's not supernatural, it's America, and it's everywhere. It's, it's, it, it feels a little bit too much like stating the thesis of the movie, whereas otherwise this movie is not stated its thesis. But yes, I would definitely, uh, if you haven't seen it, I would go watch it on uh, Amazon Prime or any type of other place you can rent it from. So, yeah, definitely. I would go check it out. Uh, watch it for yourself. Tell us what you think. Send us a letter. But first, 
Oh, but first, before the first, no one has told us to watch Airplane 2 by emailing. That's why we're not watching it yet. By emailing damnyourtall at gmail.com. So I don't have to suffer first through. First of all, that's not. It's tallpod at gmail.com. At damnyourtallpod at gmail.com. So I don't have to suffer through that movie. Ha ha ha. Yet. So let's go ahead and start wrapping things up with Grip IDK. Are you ready for this week's word? That's too damn bad. You're going to be ready for it anyway. I'll give you a choice. Go ahead and say what you want to say. No, I just... Go ahead. Go ahead. Is this going to be another one where I somehow manage to get right off the first uh, guess? Uh, Sure. Hold on. I got to find it. <laughs> I screenshotted it. Uh, here we go. Okay. So, feeling some type of way. Oh, that's just a cop-out for saying that you're feeling emotional about something without com- uh, without committing to what emotions you're actually feeling about it. Eh, not quite. It says, catching feelings for someone has, uh, has you feeling confused on what you should do regarding the person. Maybe you want to start a relationship. Maybe you just want to have sexual encounters. Depends on how deep the situation is. Uh, you really want to be close to that person, whether it's physical, emotional, uh, you could just sit there and smile at them. He slash she really got me feeling some type of way tonight. But I've by the hot. But I've heard that people use using that to refer to situations, particularly black commentators. Well, that's too damn bad. That's what that inter- <laughs> That's what the internet <laughs> on the today. That's what from uh, <laughs> what is it called? Uh, <laughs> Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary. That's what that says, and that's what I just clicked on the very first one. I also wonder if that might be an older version where it's expanded beyond originally being about people and being about situations. Well, you know what? We're going with that one, and you're wrong. Eh, take, take that. that. Take, take that, that L. L. Do you remember what that means? Yes, Felicia. What does it mean, then? Lose. Oh, good job. I remember we, that was, like, in season two. Good job. You were remembering things. So, yep, I think that's pretty much where we're going to end up. Send us... Uh, email at damnyourtallpod at gmail.com so we can watch Airplane 2 so I can make Graham feel miserable about it. Uh, follow us on social medias for the podcast DYT Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter Fifi underscore J247. Follow Graham, Graham Mildrum on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever boring stuff he's got over there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. Uh, I guess uh, Bowie's just chilling, so we're going to end the podcast there. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one, guys. Bye. Bye.